Yeah, so mm-hmm. it was 11 years old, I believe I was, when my mom finally came to me. She's like, I have something to tell you. I want to let you know I quit doing meth. And it kind of just came crashing down on me. I'm like, that's what you were doing. That's why our whole life has been the way it is. And I just, I had a breakdown. and I straight freaked out. Uh-huh. I freaked out. And it was around that same age. My dad had been in prison for about 10 years before that, that he got out of prison. And I, I told my mom, like, I, I want to go try living with my dad because it's just. This is Always Advancing with your host, Josh Sanchez, the podcast created for multidimensional individuals, those that are looking to enhance their human experience and activate their state of self-actualization. Tune in each week for growth hacks and inspiring interviews to help you advance and actualize your full potential. I appreciate your attention and I'm grateful for your awareness. Let's go. Hi, Advancers. Today we have a special guest. I am super excited about to bless the mic for us. Her background, if you guys aren't following her on Instagram or YouTube or on Twitter, she has built a social media following around fitness. She is an aspiring entrepreneur. I'm super excited to dive into this week's episode. We have Chris DeSandre. Chris, thanks so much for making it out today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Just so you guys know, obviously you guys aren't here with us, but it's Sunday today. Her actions are definitely matching her hustle. I appreciate you. I really do. Chris, beyond the athlete, what's your story? What is my story? Beyond the athlete, I am just a person. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I know that sounds super cheesy, super corny, but I'd say a good way to explain me is by saying I'm really stubborn and really prideful in the things that I believe in and care about. And all in all, in life and with fitness and everything, one way to describe me is I like being strong and I like helping other people figure out how to be strong. And that could mean physically, that could mean mentally, that could mean just kind of pushing through something in your life or becoming better, just overall being strong. And I'm proud of that and I defend that and yeah. That's basically what I'm stubborn about. I love about. that. That's beautiful. For me, strength is forged through exertion. So tell me about that. Where did you get this strong, this mentality of strength, of, of wanting to be strong and make people strong? I think it's from being weak. And I feel like any person who has that belief in being strong can say the same thing as they've been in a place or seen people that they loved and cared about in a place where they were weak. And it just makes you really determined to not be that person and to overcome that stigma, I guess. Is I got you. <laughs> might be the word. Mm-hmm. So, As far as that goes, tell me about your upbringing. Let's talk about your childhood. I'm excited to bring this to you. Um, for people on your podcast and people from my audience who might come here, this is something I've never shared before except for, you know, the people that I talk to in other places but not in a formal setting necessarily. Exclusive. Yeah, very exclusive. exclusive. You're the first. Thanks <laughs> the for first blessing the mic. It's part of being strong, you know? I have to share this because I know that it will help other people be strong too and make me stronger by sharing it. But my upbringing, and I'm going to preface this by saying that I love all my family and I would not change anything about my past or my upbringing. Um, and I And I don't, (laughs) I don't know. I know that a lot of people out there have it a lot worse. And I also, one of the reasons I'm going to share this, I don't want pity. I hate pity. I hate giving it or getting it. I just don't like it, but it's really shaped who I am. And And growing up, my family, and of course there's the exceptions here and there, but a lot of my family has struggled with addictions. And 
a lot of them it has been alcoholism different various pills and drugs my mom's specific addiction growing up was meth and for me I didn't know this until later in life but I always realized you know like I am different we moved around a lot we like I can't even tell you how many times I changed schools and went back and forth to different places and I always wondered why why don't we have a place why can't I have my own room why can't I get new clothes like all these other kids you know throughout my whole life I always I always kind of wondered why my life was different and why we moved around all the time why I didn't have nice clothes like the other kids why I sometimes smelled funny or like all these different things I was just like why, why can't I just be normal? I, I knew something was off. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that it wasn't normal. Is that from kids? Just kids? Because kids are just sometimes mean. Kids childhood. and kind of seeing what their lives were like, and I realized mm. mine wasn't that, you know? Gotcha. I realized they'd lived in the same house their whole life, or they just weren't accustomed to certain things that mm. I was. You know, I remember one time my stepsister came over, and there was a bunch of fighting going on in my house, and she was so scared. And I'm like, what are you scared of? Because it was just something that was part of my everyday life, people fighting and freaking out, you know? So it's like, this is totally normal. Why are you freaking out? And it, like, it just occurred to me that I was different. I don't, it, it really got hard um, when I was eight because my mom was with this guy, and she ended up getting pregnant with my first little brother. Mm-hmm. And you would think that, you know, being pregnant, you would uh, – clean your life up a little bit yeah right (laughs) which luckily she did for Mm -hmm. her pregnancy and then she just went right back to her old ways but it it got to these points where i'd be out in the living room with my new baby brother kind of watching over and wondering where's my mom why is she locked up in the bedroom or like she would just be she would just kind of be gone and i don't know if maybe she sees that different now i haven't really asked her these days how she like how i remember it versus how she remembers it but from my perspective, you know, I was eight years old raising my little brother. And it was kind of like at that age that I realized, like, all right, it's time to grow up now. I don't necessarily get to be a kid. And so many people growing up told me that they, like, noticed I was basically raising them because my mom was going through her own stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took it took a few years, and, and things just kind of stayed the same. Weird kid, movie. <laughs> Beyond humble upbringing, your family or... You're raised by your mother, single mm-hmm. parent. And so she was an addict and she was battling with that throughout your childhood. You were a mom at the same time you were experiencing ridicule from other kids. Obviously, you didn't know you smelled like, right? Like you didn't know you, you well, smelled funny until kids, kids like, would say something. Do you guys smell that? I swear I smell smoke. And I knew it was me and I didn't want to say anything because, oh. you know, my mom smoked and she smoked in the house a lot. Mm-hmm. So I knew it was me. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like a really embarrassing thing as a kid where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to raise my hand and be like yeah I'm sorry I'm the one that smells the one who's normally quiet all the time in weird clothes you know yeah. I was very to myself in school very quiet very weird <laughs> yeah yeah no and I get it I mean at that age you're so self-conscious right you don't have the ability to really control those external expectations mm-hmm. like you're, you're just you're a kid you want to fit in that's all you know the biggest thing as a kid is just yep. having friends and fitting in and I did not <laughs> yeah what does your early teens look like? I mean, um, when you start really forming your identity, right? Eight's not really. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was 11 years old, I believe I was, when my mom finally came to me. She's like, I have something to tell you. I want to let you know I quit doing meth. And it kind of just came crashing down on me. I'm like, that's what you were doing. That's why our whole life has been the way it is. And I just, I had a breakdown. and I straight freaked out. <laughs> uh-huh. I freaked out. And it was around that same age. My dad had been in prison for about 10 years before that that he got out of prison and I, I told my mom, like, I, I want to go try living with my dad because it's just, 
I, I was a broken down 11 year old kid, you know? Mm-hmm. So I kind of off and on went and lived with him. And then I think it was my freshman year and kind of through my middle school, not really middle school, like junior high, I started doing sports, which did help me. Like I felt more socially accepted. And I feel like that's when even people now, if you were to ask them, that's who they would know me as is, is that person. But what sports did you play? Basketball, track, soccer, cheerleading. All around athlete. You're you're around athlete, right? <laughs> I liked it. Is I that because it. it got you out of the house or what? Why do you think you It you... kept me busy and I think that that is initially what made me realize like I like being active and I like growing and I like doing things and that that's kind of what started it was the sports. Okay, so that growth sure. grow getter mindset just kind of growing and advancing. I wouldn't say I was necessarily cool right off the bat from there because uh-huh. I was troubled, and I think it was from kind of that anger towards my mom that it was like, hmm, I think that same freshman year. So I was doing these sports, but in my spare time, I started drinking really heavily, like every single weekend. I was very promiscuous, and then by the At age, a age of, I think I was like fourteen, young age, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fourteen, and then. There was one night where, like, obviously my dad, I was living with my dad at this time, and uh, he was kind of putting up with me through my first teenage years. Or This is all in Utah, too, right? My dad lives in Wyoming. He lives in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was when you were in Wyoming. Yeah, I was, okay. in, I was in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I was actually 13, now that I think about it, because I'm looking back thinking, like, it was my first teen years that he was having to deal with me. Mm-hmm. But I was getting drunk and sneaking out all the time, mm-hmm. like... <laughs> on top of all these sports and everything but there was one night that my dad got really drunk too and our whole family was over for this barbecue and he looked at me as like you're never gonna become anything but a slut and a whore and probably end up in prison like I did verbatim that's what he said to you that is like exactly what he said and that same night I called my mom like I'm leaving and she came to get me wow. and so I moved out like that same night because I was just like I'm not wanted here like mm-hmm. he doesn't believe me he doesn't support me but I'm so thankful that he said that because it's pushed me through so much and I still love like people say things and they say things that wake you up and they sometimes hurt you. But like now looking back on it, I'm so glad that he did because it Mm -hmm. really shaped some of the things that I've done today. Mm -hmm. After that, it still didn't shape me up immediately. Um, I moved back with my mom and then I started getting like really, really heavy into more drinking and then drugs. I started doing drugs and it was stuff like ecstasy and various different types of pills. And I was just, my life was going downhill really fast at an age that no one should ever be going downhill that fast you know I was taking in more drugs than a lot of people in their 20s are taking yeah and there was one night I think it was like my 16th birthday or something like that I partied all night I was on pills all night long and I woke up the next morning or not woke up I I was up like all Mm -hmm. night long the sun was coming up and I was kind of just thinking to myself I'm like I don't like where my life is going because I was realizing I was turning into my mom and that's one thing I never wanted. I never wanted to give myself a life like she gave me. And I never wanted my future kids to have a life like she gave me, you know? And so that same day I talked to Matt, which I met when I was 15 mm-hmm. or started dating when I was 15. I guess I knew him before that. Uh-huh. So my husband now, <laughs> and I talked to my mom and I'm like, I want to stop doing pills and I know it's going to be hard, but I, I went to them knowing that they would support me and help me figure it out, especially my mom. Cause she had been there, you know, she, these were hard pills that you were using? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, ecstasy. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. A little bit authentic with you, too. I can actually viscerally relate with you. And I was going to contextualize all of this because if a lot of our listeners don't know what the dynamic is in, in Utah, anything that's outside of the realm of religion is generally 
pushed under the rug. Mm-hmm. Like that people are dealing with so much addiction in all verticals in this in this state. Uh, pornography, right, drugs, pills. The statistic is we're one of the top states in the country for opioids. And so it's it's very rampant here. It's very a very real part of the culture in this state, but another real part of it is fabricating it, hiding it, right? Keeping in the shadows. And so for me as well, I was exposed to drugs at a young age, not so much as a user, but I was hustling on the streets from mm-hmm. 14. So I started actually pushing ecstasy. Yeah. So yeah, so I was on the opposite end, but I definitely experienced that world very close. Um, and this is going to sound real stupid. I don't know if it's a silver lining, but the one thing, even when I was doing drugs, um, because I, I think I've, I tried a little bit of everything through that phase I was going through. And luckily, I think it was just like within that one year from like 15 to 16, this mm-hmm. was going on. But uh, I would never touch meth or heroin because that was like what I knew were the hardest ones. I was like, my mom, did, I'm never going to touch that. And I feel like ecstasy was close enough. Like, it was obviously still really bad, but... Mm-hmm. I was the same way. At least touch those. (laughs) It seems like you were really good at observing at a young age. How do you you think, is that just perspective from experiencing such broad dynamics because of the addiction of your family and friends? Because I had friends that were getting checked into rehab before they turned 16 on meth, on black heroin, really hard substances. So I had the same idea. I'm like, I'm never going to use it because I can see learning vicariously through other people. Like I don't have to experience the addiction to know that it's addictive. I feel like I have learned mm-hmm. some lessons in my life just by watching other people mm-hmm. and realizing that that's not something that I wanted, you know? But, and this sounds super high and mighty, but I've always believed in myself. And my husband's pointed out to me later because he was with me through those beginning years of me so heavy on drugs. And I look back, I'm like, I appreciate you staying with me, baby, because I cannot believe you did. Wow, that is amazing. <laughs> but, uh, he said that even through all that, he could tell I had determination. That's kind of what drew him to me. And I think that there's something inside of me that just knew that I didn't want to fall all the way down, you know? And I was just trying to cover up and kind of hide my emotions that I was going through at the time from my mom's drug past and everything like that, being angry at her. And then the words of my dad saying I was never going to be anything. And I was just trying to drown that out with different things that would give me different feelings. And Would you also attributing to that uh, destructive behavior, would it be that you didn't really have a place, like you didn't have a strong community or a community that you could really be authentic with? Um, yeah, because the thing is, when I moved back um, from my dad's, I didn't even get to live with my mom because her husband's family hated me at the time. And so I was living with one of her friends who is this woman who is like, well into her late 20s who would still drink with me all the time and so (laughs) and I kind of just stayed at random friends houses like I didn't really have a place that was just my place and I didn't really have a good social network that knew any better because most of my social network even with my mom my mom was still drinking really heavily like she quit doing the drugs she was still drinking the family was still drinking they all smoke pot they still all smoke pot now you know they all smoke cigarettes and so i was doing all those things and when mm-hmm. it came to me finally stopping i started with the heavy drugs first and uh that was kind of a fun process because you really learn that once you start dropping all these people like it takes dropping so many people out of your life to quit doing that and i got called so many names like you're such a bitch you're such a cunt you think you're so much better than us you know and i'm like well i'm trying to be i'm trying yeah. to be better than you because i don't mm-hmm. want to keep doing this like i yeah. want to be a better person mm-hmm. but it took a long time you know mm-hmm. like because even after quitting the drugs i drank 
still a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I'm to the point where I'm past 21 and I'm like so over it, you know, like so over it. That's but, so uh, funny. Right? And I still smoke cigarettes. Like oh. I think that's one thing that no one really knows about me is I smoke cigarettes from like age 15 till age 18, basically. Slowly, slowly. Let's contextualize this to the younger, let's say, you know, the younger girls that mm-hmm. are uh, following you, your audience, um, those those that look up to you as a role model. What advice would you give them that you'd say is what do they need to do right now to get their life on track? Not even to be uber successful, just to get aligned to where their efforts are will eventually pay off after long term. Get around the right people. Like do the tough thing. And if you have someone or multiple people in your life who are damaging and they're just bringing you down or they're going through their own destructive behavior like do the hard thing and it won't be easy like those people will fight back they'll want to be in your life but you have to cut them out and then find people who are willing to help you grow as a person and see that and want to do that themselves i think that was the one thing like i honestly believe that i would not have been able to get through all those tough things without matt because he didn't do the drugs. He didn't smoke. He didn't do any of that stuff. And he was constantly saying, like, I know that you can do this. And you have to find that person, whether it's your mom, your brother, your sister, a friend, an online acquaintance. I don't know. You know, find that someone who's just going to be like, you're better and you can be better. I love you that. Know? I That's something that I've really predicated my life on is one of my beliefs is you just need one person one deep authentic relation in a positive outline right with every with everything and that's all truly think if you can find that one person like you just said that can help you grow that's what uh personal coaching or personal development coaching why it's important do what i do is because even for high performers even for the elite they all have coaches all of them michael jordan had a coach did you know that mm-hmm. not like basketball like a life coach his name was oh, uh, tim s grover I didn't know a life yeah coach. pick up a book it's called relentless it's by Tim S. Grover. He was Michael Jordan's coach. When he needed to get better or anything, he'd pick up the phone and call this guy, right? So Tim S. Grover, it's really just giving that perspective that you can't see. You need those signals from other people. Mm-hmm. Like, look, I know you think you know what your strengths and weaknesses are, but this is truly what your weakness is, right? Being able to have those authentic conversations, build relationships so strong that they can bear the weight of truth. Yeah. And, and that's what he's given you. He's like, hey, look, if you don't believe in you, I believe in you. Right now, you may not believe in yourself, but God damn, you've been through so much. I believe in you. That's beautiful. It's interesting throughout like stories where they have that one person who believed in them more than they believed in themselves. And that was kind of the hump. And we all need that every now and then. Yeah. Well, I think one thing, too, that goes along with, you know, what I was talking about at the beginning of wanting to be strong. And part of being strong is understanding that you are weak sometimes. Like. Okay. You can't be so prideful as to think that you're never going to be weak and you're never going to have downtimes. But being strong is understanding that you're going to have those downtimes and you have to have those people to turn to in those downtimes. That's, that's so well put. I just want to transition here. So how did you get into the fitness world? Because I know we're getting there, right? Yeah. With the timeline. Yeah. So it was actually after I stopped doing the pills and everything like that. And this mm-hmm. is going to sound really bad. At first. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Hey, get ready. <laughs> one thing that I love, I was taking this pre-workout and people in the fitness community will know this and they'll understand why I obviously liked it at the time. Cause I, I just quit doing ecstasy, you know, mm-hmm. and I started taking Jack 3D. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jack 3D. I literally, you're not going to believe this. I literally took that. Like my best friend right don't now. Don't worry. It's, yeah. it's not bad for you anymore. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it was so bad. <laughs> but the, there used to be strains yeah. of drugs in it basically. No, tell so, me, tell me more. I'm pretty sure it was like a strain of meth and I I can't break it down for the exact one, but 
I was taking that and then going to the gym like once or twice a week at our local rec center. Mm. And I remember thinking like, but I loved it. I love the endorphins. And that was one thing that kind of helped me during my transition is I would go to the gym and I was going outside all the time. Like I was yeah. going on hikes, I was going on runs, I was going to the lake. Like I was keeping myself busy and pumping myself through with these endorphins just because that gave me the same like satisfaction. Made basically. you feel good. And I had someone who was willing to do that with me, you yeah. know? And so... Uh, and that was Matt. That was Matt. Yeah. Okay. He... He liked the gym before I ever did. He's the one who's like, let me show this to you. Let me show you the gym, you oh, know? Bad. So thank God for him. <laughs> Shout out to Matt. <laughs> Shout out to Matt. <laughs> but uh, so I started doing that and uh, I thought I was so strong. I was so funny looking back at myself now. But that's what it's that's what it's about. You know, like you get in there and you just feel yourself. It doesn't matter how you look. It just matters about you getting in there and feeling like a better version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And then it's so much fun to look back on those photos and be like, I thought it was so strong. And then look at me now, you know? Yeah. But that's what it's about is you progress and then you can look back on those beginning stages. But mm -hmm. uh, so I was living in Vernal mm -hmm. when all this was going down, right? Vernal, Utah. Yeah, Anyone Vernal, from Utah, you know. Utah. <laughs> you know yeah, that's in uh, BFE. <laughs> yeah, very small town. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, at 18, me and Matt decided that we wanted to get out of Utah, or not out of Utah, but out of Vernal because there wasn't much there. And like, this was to the point where I I quit everything. Like, I would still I still had some drinking issues, but other than that, I quit everything. And we were on our path of progression. We're like, we want to grow, and we know we can't do that here in Vernal. It's too small. So we moved out here to Salt Lake City. And um, what year was this? This was 2013, like the very end of 2013, like mm -hmm. November. So you were 17, 16? 18. 18, okay. Yep. So I was 18, and we moved out here, and I got, like, this this job at a call center. And I originally moved out here, though, to pursue a career in finances. That was, like, my first ever passion. You know, I... I, I only met a very few people who were, like, my passion is finances. Not necessarily. I was helping people, like, um, set up retirement accounts, life insurance accounts, gotcha. emergency funds, that type of stuff. And I honestly thought that was what I was going to do. Like, fitness was just kind of, like, something I did once, maybe twice a week. It wasn't really, like, my thing yet. And so I started pursuing finances really, really heavily. And that was like a 100% commission full-time sales job. Like there you go. it was super, super hard. Okay. <laughs> well, sales and recruiting. And that's kind mm -hmm. of what I was doing. I was doing a lot of like the broker recruiting and everything like that. I thought that that was going to be like my life. I thought I was going to be a CEO and that like grow and build this whole financial business. And I would have loved to. Because How long did you do that for? <laughs> for three years. I love that. Yep. If you don't kill it, you don't eat it. That's the mentality, really. Commission. Well, the thing is, is that completely crashed on me once I fell into fitness because okay. I, I stopped paying attention to it, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah. first and foremost, I think that's I learned to care about what I was doing with my money, you know. And I feel like that's one thing that even now on social media, I see these people who are doing like these five, eight hundred dollar hauls on all this <coughs> crap. And I'm just like, <laughs> but yeah, I started working in finance and I got so enveloped in this career. Like I was all day, like it was an all day type thing, not like work for eight hours and dig around. Like I was doing this all day. And I, mm. I started to notice that my tiny skinny little self that I was, was turning into a not tiny skinny little self anymore. Mm. <laughs> and I put on a pair of my pants and it's, I hate that I don't have any pictures of this for people now. Cause I can share the story. I've, I've been both, I've been like twig skinny and then I, I gained quite a bit of weight to the nice. point where I couldn't fit in my pants. Yeah. And I was trying to put on my pants one day. I'm like, oh my God, I I don't fit in my pants from high school. 
I thought I would just magically be skinny forever. What's happening to me? You yeah, know? yeah. But it's because I was so busy with my career and what I was trying to build that I wasn't paying attention to my body or what I was eating. And so I started by the, the typical way you start, like making health smoothies and that type of there stuff. There you go, yeah. The shakes, <laughs> but it the was morning shakes. a start, you uh-huh. know? Like, so I was making these smoothies. And then, um, because at this point, like, I don't even think we were going to the gym very often. Like, we'd sometimes work out at home, but I was just so busy, like everything I was doing was about my new career. But once I started realizing that I wanted to change my body, it started with the shakes. And then I started just working out at home or at the kids park. So I was this creepy adult at the kids park, like doing these pull-ups. No, you weren't that creepy adult. I mean, I had Matt with me. That's what made it creepy. (laughs) No, you throw Matt under the bus. If you listen to this baby, I love you. But uh, we started doing that. And I actually, (laughs) it was a crazy, so Instagram, right? I, it was when I was working at the call center because I was doing that at the very beginning of mm-hmm. me trying to start my sales business before I went into that full time. And this girl was like, you need to download these apps, Instagram and Snapchat. And I had no idea what they were. Like, no idea. I'm like, what is this? How old are you at this point? I was still 18 at that okay. point. Okay. And I'm like, I don't even know what these are. I thought Instagram was like a photo editing tool. Like the ones that you just can edit a picture and then put it on your Facebook, right? That's how it, that's how it actually started, interestingly <laughs> enough. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and anyways. I remember my first picture I ever posted on there mm-hmm. was of me watching Supernatural and a cup of my lemon tea. I was like, this is what I'm doing. Post it on there, right? That is so funny. <laughs> and people, if they go to my page, I deleted it. Yeah. Don't try looking. But one of the things that kind of led me to really want to be like, stepping out from just the shakes to working out again mm. was I saw a picture and people who follow on my page they know I just love Andrea Brazier. Like I don't know if you've heard of her. She was like a four time WBFF world champion. Okay. She has an insane physique and I just remember thinking, dang, she is fit. She is shredded. She has muscle. She is a badass. She was too. my initial inspiration. It was just from scrolling through Pinterest or something like that. But I related to her because I always liked that look. I liked the look of muscles, not necessarily just skinny and i'm like she is strong Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what led us into with me when i did my workout stuff but my main mentality of like i want to start actually working out you know and so i found people that was your first kind of goal like that's what i want to look like yeah at 18 you're like okay i'm gonna do a physical appearance goal this is the epitome of what i would love to look like exactly It was like so much of a goal. I put her on my, I had a business plan for my financial business and everything. And I put a picture of her on that business plan as like part of my, my four F's family, faith, fitness, finance, that type of stuff. And she was on there, but I started working out and I took a picture one day and I saw my abs again. And I was just like, Oh my God, what? (laughs) This is actually working. Are these abs right now? Are are these really abs? You know? And I was just like, I can keep doing this, but it mm-hmm. took seeing like kind of working at it, working at it, working at it, and then seeing that little bit of a result for me to be like, I'm going to keep doing this. This might be a little bit of a side topic, but I'm interested to hear your opinion on it. At what point did you realize that diet played a huge part and just going to the gym was just a small percentage of it? At the what age? following 19. Okay. I'd probably say 19. Because... Like I was doing those workouts and I still wasn't eating like that healthy. And I found one person and I'm just going to shout her out on here because like she played a huge role in my fitness journey and her name is Zuska Light on YouTube. And she does just hit workouts. Shout out Zeus. (laughs) I don't know. She probably doesn't even know. I was watching her hit workouts and just working out at home like every single day. And I started using her fitness tips and I don't, I don't go by her fitness tips anymore because I lift a lot more weight and you have to have a lot more energy for that. But it worked perfectly for me just at the time and the energy I was expending, 
doing my workouts at home. So I did like a really low carb diet. I'm like, I want to look awesome. And so I started to change my diet to match what she was saying to do. And it started working to the point where like I, it took maybe about six months and I was shredded. Like just from doing at home workouts. I didn't have much muscle anywhere else, but Uh, my abs were insane. Just all abs. Yeah, I love that. I I really relate to that because there's one point where my abs popped out more than my chest did. And it was like at a young age, those who knew me at maybe... 17 18 all i would do was weighted crunches it's <laughs> like yes come on i gotta have the biggest athlete it was so funny yeah I'll, i could show you pictures later but it's hilarious back at it now i'm like gosh i should do those workouts again sometime get those abs back yeah, right <laughs> you forget about them because you want to build muscle everywhere else and then but i changed like yeah like i was working out a little bit more mm-hmm. and just because i was motivated you know i was on that path and i was dieting and i was like totally committed to it but a lot of it was just drastically changing my diet. And all day, if I had a snack, I'm like, it doesn't freaking matter. I'm committed to this and this is what I'm doing. Exactly. And I got fit from it. And then it was after that that I finally, like Matt and I got our first ever gym membership. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like age 19 or something like that. I think the audience needs to hear this. I'm just trying to contextualize this to your audience and, and uh, the people who are going to be listening. How do you build patience? What what advice do you have to just say, stop assuming 30 days is enough, you know? Like, don't go into it and you spent the majority of your life eating whatever the hell you wanted and not doing any sort of training regimen. Context. I'm going to break this down. Oh, I let's am do it. not patient okay. at all. Okay. I, you asked Matt, I'm like one of the least patient people. I mean, I've gotten better. <laughs> this is counterintuitive <laughs> advice. Just wait for it. <laughs> I've gotten better, but uh-huh. like, that was the one thing that always worked with me and Matt is he's really patient and I'm like furiously impatient. So you need massive support. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just okay. kind of contrast yeah. there why we work out so well. Mm. The thing with it is if you want something, you can't just expect it. To ha- it's like saying, you know what? I want these abs and I want it in 30 days. You can want it, but you really have to not necessarily be patient, but just commit until it happens. Because once you make the commitment, you're just like, all right, it's going to happen. So you stop like wanting it to happen right now because you know you're committed and so you know it will happen mm-hmm. in time. And it kind of gets rid of that, I want it right now because you're just, I feel like if people aren't committed to something, that's when they're like, well, I want it right now. Oh, I can't get it. All right, I'm not going to do it. You if know? I'm hearing you right, make it a lifestyle. Yeah. Don't just make it a 30-day or 60-day goal. Commit to it for life. Exactly. Definitely. Especially because if it is just like a 30-day goal, what are you going to go back to after the 30 days? Yeah, eating potato chips and sitting like, <laughs> you know, Netflix binging. Would, like, what do you want to look good? What's the alternative? Forever? Right, exactly. It no, seems no. like common sense, but common sense isn't always common practice. Yeah. And when you know all the benefits, not just in looking good, but feeling good, your exactly. performance, your cognitive function, the feel-good drugs that your own body gives you, just like there's so many benefits to just moving every day. Well, and I know too, like we're in a day and age in a culture where people want things right now. And it's like that with everything because <laughs> you can get things really, really. Yep. But I think True. that's another thing. Like if you're looking online, like I did for that inspo photo type thing, you know, don't look at that. And if someone puts underneath it, get fit in 30 days. Just like don't let yourself be fooled by the idea. And I know that that sucks to hear, but. I love that you're saying don't, that because that's give truth. Their bullshit. <laughs> that's truth, right? There's not a one size fits all diet like, plan or a fitness regimen period. It, it is no all pill, functional. Yeah. No pill is going to do it for you. No cream is going to do it for you. Like <laughs> what? No, no, I know the wraps don't work, I'm Chris. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to burst your bubble. That's so true. And throw wh- it in the trash. What's so interesting <laughs> is the the amplified effect 
if people really take a step back and remember even five years ago, you couldn't follow as closely these physique and fitness models as you can now. So the guy just starting his journey can see the top 10 fitness or, you know, bodybuilding guys and be like, what the hell? Those guys are jacked and just consume his day, right? It's these feedback loops. They're following them. They're looking at the pictures are showing up on their feed daily. And they're just daily comparing their chapter one to their chapter, you know, to their fourth book, chapter one. It's just, it's pretty insane. You you can follow people too, but don't follow them to be like them. And that was one revelation I had just recently, you know, I was looking at social media and this is just proof it gets to anybody. Like Mm -hmm. I might be in social media, but I'm just a person and I'm affected by it too, no matter how mentally strong and how much I want to block it, you know, like it gets to me. And I was seeing all these people on social media and people who follow and have been following my page from the beginning, like from the very beginning can probably tell that it's changed because my page used to be called Hardcore Chris and I was all about being hardcore, you know? Like, <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah, like uh. I liked hardcore muscle and then just over time I realized, you know, I got kind of caught up in the game of, well, I want to grow my social media and this is what people want to see mm-hmm. and it, it kind of became more girly, I guess is a good mm-hmm. way to explain it. But even me, like thinking to myself, oh, I want to have a butt like this girl or I want to I want to have this body part and then just recently I'm like, I don't want it. I just want to get back to my true core of being strong and being able to do great things with my body and whatever it looks like. Cool. Like I just want to look like my body's best part of itself because I started to fall out of love with fitness, trying to be like other people Mm. and I just didn't enjoy it. Or I would try their workouts because their workouts, they're like, Oh, do this for this. I'd be like, well, maybe I'll try that in mine. And I hated it. I wasn't enjoying myself and it absolutely sucked. You know? (laughs) Yeah. And I agree. You're evolving minute by minute. Every day you're evolving. And I love that you changed everything to be more authentic. That was actually my question is as a role model for your audience, did you feel pressure to live up to who they wanted you to be? Or did you stay authentic to yourself and clearly stayed, you're staying authentic to yourself. And it's, it's, it's a struggle though, right? It's a battle. I did. And I can openly say that even though I don't want to, I want to say I was perfect the whole time. (laughs) Right? No. But none of us are, you know, but Mm -hmm. I fell off track. I feel like I wasn't being authentic, but right now, like my big push, I've cut back on social media and everything because everything I want to put out there, I want to be 100% me and I want it to send a specific message of being strong and being yourself rather than just trying to post things that I feel like people want to see, you know, because that's not fun for anyone. And I think people can tell if you put something out there just because you feel like they want it, they're like, "Eh, I don't want it, you know, but if you put Mm -hmm. something out there because you love it. People are attracted to you and your passion. That's why you'll get followed or, or you'll inspire people in the first place is because they'll see those beliefs in you and find like that they relate type of thing, you know? Yeah, that's true. So would you say for people to stop getting so caught up and when they post something, if they're not getting immediate likes or they know it's not going to hit a certain threshold that they're used to, to just leave it anyways? Because I know you can audit your account that 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 finite, right? Like that small and that intricate, uh, this isn't going where I think it is. And people do that all the time. They'll delete their post. Even I've done that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like I'm being such a bad example right no, now. No, you're Sorry. good. You're being authentic. <laughs> That's what it's about. But you know? uh, you're going to be miserable. Like if you're doing it for likes and you're just only caring about how many likes you get, or if you're comparing your likes to how many likes someone else is getting, you're going to be miserable. You're going to, it's just not fun. Like you're just going to hurt yourself by trying to pay attention to that. And one thing that's fun right now, (laughs) and technically, like, you can still track it on Instagram, but after all of the, what was it, the privacy leak with Facebook and everything like that, Facebook owning Instagram made it so that the third-party social blade, which people could hop on there and check how many followers they were getting every single day, 
they can't do that anymore. Like you can't oh, get on there and check that, which mm. like I have been so much happier since that. Cause I would check that every single day. And if I had negative numbers, I beat myself up more than anyone else. I'm like, people are unfollowing me. Why is this happening? And it, like, I was so focused on the numbers there for a bit that it just would eat me up, you know? And I'm so curious. Where do you think that mentality evolved from? Where Where does that evolve? I think it's evolved from the double-edged sword of wanting to be better mm-hmm. because you should want to be better, but keep it for your original and right reason, you know, not get caught up in the numbers. That leads straight into what is Chris's why? It depends on what we're talking about, but for this instance, when it comes to like the fitness and social media. Why do you do what you do? So I can give you kind of like each, because I have, I have different whys, and I guess it there depends on like the context in which mm-hmm. to ask. And, and it's interesting, I'm going to share a little bit more right here. If you would have asked me this during my financial career, it was kind of when I was still on that big push from my dad saying all those things. Mm-hmm. That drove me so much. I'm like, I will prove you wrong to be successful. But yeah, I just, I knew mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I proved him wrong onto the next thing. And, and I realized one thing that keeps me going and it's, it's basically my family. Cause my family has always believed that they were just kind of lower class. And I think that's why they allowed themselves to fall into the different things like they did and why I initially fell into it too, because that was our social class. That's just mm-hmm. who we were. It's who our family was, but I want to be able to do something with my life and have my brothers look at me because my brothers are like my world, you know? And I have three now, by the way, not just the one. Okay, cool. <laughs> but uh, I want them to be able to say it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter if you go to college or anything like that. Because that was one thing when uh, when I was going through all that stuff at 15. I actually left school, got my GED, and started working, and then moved out. So I lived on my own starting at 16 and since then, stuff like that. And I want to show them that like it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you do, what you've done you can do anything that you want. Like if you want something, you just have to go after it. You can't expect it to come to you. You know, I think that that's one thing that really motivates me is showing that to them. Be kind of, like being that guide of them leaving that social where they feel like they're stuck at, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. The second one, and I, I swear I'm not copycatting you, but mm-hmm. I want to be able to buy my mom a house. I remember even through all those years, she'd always tell me like, I just want to be able to own a house with a white picket fence and a golden mm-hmm. retriever, you know? And I want to be able to give that to her because I know that she just will never be able to buy a house on her own. Um, and then with my fitness and social media stuff, that one's totally different. <laughs> okay, like, let's hear it. It kind of goes hand in hand. Like, obviously, fitness is my business. And so my personal whys kind of tie into that. But mm-hmm. one thing with fitness is I want to be able, the small one is to be that person, kind of like Andrea Brazier was for me. If it just takes a photo or a video of someone being like, wow, that's awesome. And I think I can do that then I want to be able to do that for someone. But outside of that, I want to be able to create something and more of a platform when people like where people can actually achieve that, which is what I'm working towards right now. And I'm jumping all over the place. But one thing we were just talking about when it comes to kind of not listening to people on social media, when they say like, you can do this in 30 days type thing. Or, yeah. And this different just the bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that people might notice is I, I recently launched a website. So Matt and I, we launched a business and we took it down. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, a couple of days after that, because I realized, and it was a total like last minute and kind of crazy thing to think about now, but this is actually what I want to do, you know, really? because we were going to create guides and stuff like that. And I realized I don't want to just create another guide. I want to have one-on-one contact with these people. And that's kind of what we're building right now is a platform where if people train with me, they get a phone number, like they get my email, they get that one-on-one contact to help them reach their fitness goals. 
while I figure out something that's better than just a guide that may or may not help someone mm-hmm. get to their fitness goals, mm-hmm. you know, but I want it to be more than that. I love that. That's what people need is more, uh, just more willingness to actually help people. Less the idea of how do I, looking at their followers like a dollar, how do I bring real transformation to this human's life, right? Mm -hmm. This, the aspiring younger generation, those even, the older, it doesn't matter what age, if you can inspire them to be better physically and take their health seriously, that's just great. That message is great. And that actually shows how grounded and how how much um, you do want to contribute. And that's super authentic. I think, do you think that also comes from just having a broad spectrum of reality, having going through so many experiences that the average human wouldn't? Would you say that that's kind of like, I've seen really dark aspects of the human experience and I just want to help people to go through any of that. Like for me, that's what it is. Any sort of pain, any sort of suffering, like you can help people out of that, even from their own mental dysfunctions like neurosis, or you can now diagnose people who scroll too much on social media, right? Just (laughs) comparison bias, like that's a real thing too. I mean, I think it does, but it's not something that's like, it's just shaped me into who I am. So it's just the way I think, you know, so Mm -hmm. it probably does affect it, but I don't actively think like, oh, I'm doing this for this reason type thing. It's just kind of who I am, I guess. But I was also thinking about it, and that was one thing. The guides would be awesome because I'm sure I could make a lot more money that way and a lot mm-hmm. faster. Yep. And, and the one thing right now, too, is it's pretty motivating because Matt and I both work full-time jobs mm-hmm. and are building our business outside of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it would be really fun to say, like, oh, yeah, I could throw some guides out there and hopefully go full-time into my fitness business real fast. But I realized I don't – I, I want to – like you were saying, I want to bring more value. I feel like – if I were just to put a guide out there, like it's not value and I wouldn't be comfortable pushing it. It wouldn't be something that I would enjoy selling. Like I'd want to make sure that it is something perfect before I push something like that. And before that, I would rather just take the hands-on approach of helping people and make money slower, I guess. You're basically saying is reputation is super important and you don't want to throw away your reputation for a few thousand. It's not even going to sell out. Just getting over on people, people recognize that. You know, after time, if you're give, if you're reselling cookie cutter programs that everybody else is reselling, you're under that same category that you despise, right? Yeah. You're just like, I hate. I guess like this. for me, even if I have an online presence, I still want it to be like who I'd be in person. You know, everyone's taught treat someone how you would want to be treated. That's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing I want to implement here. Is like I wouldn't want to buy just some generic guide. Like I'd be ticked off if I bought it because it would barely help me. I could find the same thing on YouTube. You know. There you go. And, yeah. And I wanted to be able to do more than that instead of just. I love that vision. Give what and, I'd expect. And that vision from what I know to be true in business is what keeps people around for not 10 years, 20 years, but forever. People can trust you. And that's more important than anything else. Uh, my father, who I, I aspire to be like, he's owned a business for 32 years. And that's building authentic relationships and serving others, period. Right? That's and so that's great. What advice would you give for aspiring fitness influencers or those that are trying to walk in your footsteps, so to speak? I'd say learn from my mistakes and don't try and be like anyone else or do things just because you think it might get a lot of likes. Stay true to who you are. Post things that you believe in and you're comfortable about and that you love and that make you happy. Just post you and post in quality and consistently. I guess specifically if you're trying to grow a brand on social media, post consistently. Okay. But be your own person and like kind of stand out from the crowd. Cause if you're like everyone else, you're not going to stand out and you're not going to grow. But if you are yourself, 
people will notice and people will be like, holy shit, you need to go follow this person because they are crazy and I've never seen anyone like that before. You <laughs> they're know? unforgettable because they're yeah. just being genuinely themselves. Exactly. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. But what is your genius? Like, what is your message? Something burning on your heart that you want to share with the world? Something that's uniquely coming from you? I like to say genius, but when people think genius, they think about learning or like academics. But genius just means like, what is the, what's the thing that makes you you? What's that skill? What's that thing? My genius, I'd say I can get knocked down a lot and keep coming back. It doesn't matter how many times someone knocks me down. I might stay down for a couple of minutes, but I'll always come back, you know, because what's the fun in staying down? Resilience. I don't know. Just keep going. Consistency. That's awesome. All right, cool. I know your audience wants to know what your daily routine looks like. And it, it's interesting with all this fitness stuff is it is a lifestyle. So mm-hmm. my daily routine is kind of effortless and people trying to get fit right now are listening to this and being like, I hate you. Effortless, <laughs> <my ass." laughs> effortless okay. But, you know, I don't read in my mm-hmm. day too much when it comes to my health and fitness because I've just made it a part of who I am and what I do. First thing in the morning when I wake up, I have the coffee. I'll normally sit on my couch for a sec, pet my cats stuff like that. Matt is really helpful with making my food because our life can get kind of busy. Like I'll sometimes cover one thing and he'll make sure I feed myself throughout the day, you know? Mm. So he'll help me pack my breakfast, my lunch and that type of stuff, which if, if I'm doing a cut or something like that, like if I know I'm going to go to an event or something, then I'll be a little bit more strict on my diet, but I'm kind of intuitive with what I eat. And I feel like a lot of people ask me about my diet, you know, Mm -hmm. and I just in general, like use my intuition to be like, this is the properish amount of food and kind of healthy-ish to eat, you know, like. Yeah, I understand that more than most people. Like there's a mindfulness aspect to nutrition and we all innately have that. Like we have that ability. It's just the ability to kind of like check in and be like, okay, I need this, I need that. But people are so focused on this scale mentality and that's fine if you need to set yourself up for success at the beginning, but eventually you just know, right? You can you feel know, like. It. If you're an athlete, yeah, you do all your meal preps, you mm. weigh everything out. But I think that that's one thing that's intimidating for some people when it comes to fitness. They're like, oh, I need to meal prep all this stuff and I don't want to eat this old food. Neither do mm. I. And I don't even have time for meal prepping, you know, yeah. like it's really time consuming. So you just kind of make it a part of your day. Like anyone else would pack lunch, you just pack something maybe a little healthier, you know. Mm. I'll kind of get ready on an average day. I'm not that glamorous. I don't wear a lot of makeup. I don't do a lot with my hair. I'm not the most girly girl mm-hmm. <laughs> you could ever meet. I've tried to be. It doesn't work out for me well when I try to be. But uh, I'll go to work. I like taking a scenic route to work because I hate traffic. It gives me road rage, especially out here in Salt Lake City with all this construction right now. Oh, so much construction. <laughs> so I'll take that route just because I feel like it makes me a little bit happier throughout the day if I don't have to deal with that traffic as much. I go to work and I currently work for a corporate office in their accounting department. Super exciting stuff. Nice. <laughs> You got that side hustle. You got to do what you got to do. People people think that uh, being a social media influencer or fitness influencer is super glamorous, but you're like, hey, I know what what my goals are, and if this isn't covering me financially, like I'm I'm willing to put an extra effort. So you have two full time jobs. I think that's yeah. One thing that I'd love for people to know is that Mm -hmm. just because you post on social media doesn't mean you're going to make money from it. You know, like. You got to make sure you got something else going on. Especially if you're trying to be authentic and you're not just trying to, you know, monetize your, your following, but you want to give them real value. That takes time. It, it takes does. years. So I'll go to work. I get home, drive home again in a back route <laughs> just to make myself happy. Uh, um, one thing that I do that 
like just kind of I think sets me up for my days on my way to and from work I rarely listen to music I normally always listen to a book right now I'm listening to the 10x rule for like the fourth time Grant Cardone shout yeah, out one of my favorites <laughs> well especially if I feel like I've been kind of slowing down on anything or I'm kind of mm-hmm. in a rut I'm like I just listen to that one again oh he's one a good for sure especially but, in the uh, sales world right everybody knows Grant Cardone just his voice. I could just listen to his voice and not even care about the words. And be like, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Do this. Yes. You gotta sell everybody. By the time I get home, because normally I'm so tired. Like we don't get that much sleep yeah. <laughs> at night, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when I get home, a lot of times I want to take a nap. And sometimes I do. Like if you, that's one thing I believe in. Like if I need to take a 20 minute nap, I'm gonna take a 20 minute nap because I know the rest of my day will be better for it type thing. So sometimes I'll come home and take a nap. There's so much research to back what you're saying. But, like 20 uh, minute naps, super A lot of times, like right when I get home is when I'll put a post on social media if I have one. Mm-hmm. Lately, I haven't been putting one up just to put one up because I want them to be things I actually want to put up, like mm-hmm. I was saying before. Um, after that, we will either, and it kind of depends, we, we play by ear day by day, but we'll do a little bit of work on the business, then go to the gym. Or we'll go to the gym, come home, do a little bit of work on the business, or just go to the gym, and then if we have time, just come home, feed ourselves, and maybe shower. We go through a lot of baby wipes. Uh-huh. I'm going to like it's TMI out there. <laughs> Fun fact for how to get through your day, have a lot of baby wipes in case you can't shower. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. I love that. Um, what are the non-negotiables in your day? I have to see Matt every single day. Beautiful. You know, like, there was one time he actually got offered a job that would it would have been, like, it was a while ago, too, but trucking where he'd be on the road all the time. Like, I, I don't accept that. No, you can't go. Sorry. Find something else. Yeah. Because, like. But I the salary to... was pretty good, though. Oh, right? it was good. It was, yeah, he gave yeah. a pretty good money for that. Yeah. But I feel like he's just one person. I need to see him or talk to him every single day. Mm-hmm. He keeps me on track. He keeps me centered and happy and nice to people, you know. Yeah. Well, that's cool. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, I have to talk to him and I have to eat frequently. What do you well, mean I can't by, miss a meal. What do you mean by frequently? Like like every two hours? Like I cannot miss a meal because if I do, like you're just, you're more tired. You're not as, like you're not as positive if you're hungry. You aren't as energetic if you're hungry. Mm-hmm. And like you're not, I don't know, I just get drained and tired and unhappy if I'm hungry. So I have to make sure that when I'm hungry, I eat, you, you know. <laughs> I know it's like a small thing, but that is a non-negotiable, I must eat. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> In a perfect world, what does a perfect day look like for you? Hmm. A perfect day for me in my perfect world would be, and it's going to happen too, just you wait, but it would be being able to wake up and work from wherever I want. That's one thing. I want to be able to work from home if I want to, especially because I want more pets, you know, I want to love on them. Another thing that would be kind of an ideal day in the life is having one more cat and three more dogs. There you go. You know, lots of animals. But being able to wake up and not only focus on one business, but hopefully multiple. Because I don't I don't just want to be in fitness forever. There's other things I want to do. <laughs> so um, being able to really work on that and delegate and employ other people to help me with that. And basically just run a, run my businesses. And I don't even know how to explain all the daily tasks that would make up the perfect day for that. But I don't just want to be successful and then kind of that's it you know mm-hmm. i like staying busy and i like doing things and i like growing and i want to make sure i'm always doing that so but i want to be able to work with matt and have him be able to work full-time with me just kind of us growing together entrepreneurship it's always cool things but mm-hmm. that that like plays a part in it is being able to work from wherever i want you can you could wake up in hawaii and work from there you know but still do all those same things 
Yeah. And like, you can That's only get so drunk on the beach, you know, like what, what else do you do? Like What's you're just time? in paradise. Like you're just, your sands in the beach for five hours. Then what? You surfed. Oh, great. Now what? Like that's, that's a three hour endeavors. Like I get bored even on vacation. Like obviously there's time off, but there's only so much you can do even in the most beautiful places. And for me, that's the same thing. Like a perfect day is like pretty much that it's like checking your financials, making sure all the businesses or whatever your investment. I, I look at businesses more like investments. People don't, they look at it like this glamorous thing. I'm like, no, if I'm investing my time, money, my resources into this, this is either a long-term buyout play or I'm trying to be the best in whatever vertical this business is, yeah. you know, be, build it the biggest. But eventually it's, it's something that, that is going to pay you out as an, as an asset and being an entrepreneur or being self-employed, you don't have a 401k to fall back on. There's, that's your retirement plan. Kids these days don't really think about that. Yeah, and before you already know that's a scam anyway, so it doesn't yeah, even matter. After working in finance, you learn that. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's the one thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we won't get into that. Yeah, we don't even need to get into that. So you are only 22. When's your birthday? Next month. Next month, June. next month. Yep. June. What's your vision for your future? You touched on a little bit about your perfect day. What business are you looking to start? Supplement? you know, slash, is that just an overarching, like, are you looking to... I'll probably never get into supplement. Like, I'm working with a supplement brand right now, and mm-hmm. it took months for them to get me, with me, like, trying their product and be like, you just, you have to be a part with us. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. And I finally, like, I ran out of their product. I was like, oh, more of that kind of uh, made me gotcha. want to work with them. But I never want to start my own, mm-hmm. that, or an apparel company, just because... Like, whatever I do, I still want to make sure I believe in it. You know, personal training, that type of stuff, I believe in that. And I want to be able to grow that into a business where it's not just me training people, but I can hire other trainers to train people online and then potentially open up our own gym. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is like... <clears throat> yeah. But uh, potentially open up our own gym where people can train from there. I can train people from there. I can hold events. That's one thing that Matt and I have really, like, kind of dreamed about is being able to create something that's almost like a fitness vacation for people. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and kind of, and I, I know that they have them out there, but kind of our own version of a fitness retreat. We want to be able to do boot camps, that type of stuff, staying in the fitness realm. But outside of that, and, and this is one that's kind of personal to me, I know that throughout my childhood, there were a lot of things that helped during our low times, like mm-hmm. when people were able to help us during the holidays, that type of stuff. And so I want to start foundations that can help other kids that are from the same type of past as me. Mm-hmm be able to have a good Christmas, have a good Thanksgiving, you know, that type of stuff. And we're actually starting this year with just one family, even though, you know, you want to help so many more, but we're oh, going to yeah. start with just one and kind of grow from there and help kids who are kind of from my same background. That is so awesome. That's that's one thing I always say is the bigger and more audacious you want your goals financially, whatever that looks like. It's not just take. It's not just law of attraction. This is what I want. Give me what I want. Give me, give me, give me, give me. It's like, okay, but what are you giving? I have some friends, you know, that, that they do want money and they want it for the Lamborghinis and that stuff. And when I think about money, that's not what I want it for. Mm. You know, I want to be able to do things not just for myself. You know, Matt and I have talked about helping not just our family and other people, but just like... If someone has all this debt, it would be fun to just go pay it off for someone. You know, like, I think that that's what that's so cool. making money is about, is being able to do good things with it. Because if you're just going to spend it on yourself, mm-hmm. on frivolous crap that you don't need, like a sports car. Sorry if you're into sports cars. Anyone? No, I would apologize. <laughs> it's all external. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, like. It's not bashing anyone. I want to be successful. And I feel like some people 
look at that and like you kind of stuck up because you just want to be successful and you do want to make a lot of money but i want to do it for yeah specific reasons i guess yeah to be fine to not have to worry about it right type of thing mm -hmm. i that's that's one thing i always teach think about all your wants needs and desires as audacious as you want to make it and generally people will think about external items lamborghinis mansions all these things but then What's interesting is that you have to then turn around and look inwardly and see what skills do I have? What value can I bring to attain that? You end up introspectively having to grow yourself. Mm -hmm. And eventually you grow into this person who's grown so much in self-development and personal development and really building skills and acquiring new skills to actually attain certain things. That's not fulfillment. Maybe what being rich is, but true deep fulfillment. It's all the greatest teachers and masters on this planet that ever walked the earth have taught you that. This isn't new shit. You know what I mean? No. Like external motivations has always been a thing. Redirecting that focus internally to then become that person who can get those. So you have so much value that eventually you can buy that Lamborghini cash. Realizing that that's actually... Well, and one thing that I've always believed is something like that, like something that doesn't have to do with other people will never get you to that goal. And I know maybe that's a stretch. Maybe there's someone out there who they're like, you know, I just want this Lamborghini and it happened for him. But I think that if you have something that is so frivolous as a car or just having a big house as mm -hmm. your motivation, that motivation is not going to push you through the downtimes that you're inevitably going to go through. Exactly. You know, like you have to have something stronger that makes you get back up to keep fighting for that goal. Mm -hmm. That's not just... It's a deeper meaning. It's a deeper why. Like everyone has their own why and you have to have that deep why and your why can't just be for a nice car. And it can be that, I mean, but eventually you're, you're, you're going to give up. No, 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 you're, you you're going to give up. I'm saying you can set that oh. as your why, but it's not going to push you through those dark times. Yeah. Like when shit really gets hard, when people really like entrepreneurship, there's a reason 99% of people fail. It's not because it's fucking easy. It's because it's hard as shit to be a successful business person, to have a successful business. I got and you. so if your dreams are so audacious, eventually you have, to, you're not going to make a million dollars working the average corporate job. You're going to make 45,000. Like, gosh, are these problems really worth what I'm wanting? Exactly. And then if you can't answer yes. Then... Where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? Anything else you want to share? Tune off. I'm big on Instagram. I'm not big on Twitter. I know you mentioned on Twitter. Start with not big on Twitter. I don't find it very fun, but yeah. Instagram, YouTube, email, my website, chrisdesandre.com, which will be launching next month. Very, very soon. Sweet. I'm excited. <laughs> Again, so find her if you need time. some fitness motivation. She's going to have a bunch of other endeavors that she's working on right now, bringing true value in the fitness world and uh, helping people transform their bodies and their lifestyles for better health, which is a cornerstone to a happier, uh, healthier life. So if you I, need help, I got you. She's got you. Got you heard you. it here first. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming out and advancers make the rest of your day the best of your day. That's it. Thanks for tuning in. If I brought you any value today, please subscribe for notifications of next week's episode. I would truly appreciate it. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Connect to our community on social media. We are building a tribe of self-actualized grow-getters. Those that implement the practice of lifelong learning, understanding it will catalyze self-actualization, the ultimate production of the human spirit. Find your baseline and grow every day. Till next time, advancers, make the rest of your day the best of your day.